Welcome back to Blowing Off Steam with Wesley Kettle. Today is a two-part episode. We're going to be talking about the mysterious bloop noise in the lost colony of Roanoke. Let's get into it. Please clap. Hello, and thanks to those of you who did clap. Today, as I mentioned before, this will be a two-part episode because there's not a whole lot of research on either of my topics. It'll be about the mysterious bloop and the lost colony of Roanoke. But before I get to that, I have a few things I would like to mention. There was one person that filled out my shout-out form, and he's, he's my friend, and I suppose I need to read these fake titles. It's Dr. James Brendan O'Brien, Ph.D., and he thought that I should talk about Malaysian Flight 370, which I think is a great idea. It, for those of you who don't know, Malaysian Flight 370 was, as you could insinuate, a airplane flight out of Malaysia that flew over the ocean and was just never seen again. They think they might have found some wreckage that washed up from it, but for the most part, other than that, they have no idea what happened. So, yeah. Also... Last week, I might start a segment where I just tell you what I messed up on last week, because apparently there's something every week. Uh, last week, on our Dietzlov Pass episode, I mentioned that the Mansi people in Russia, I said they were Native Americans. That's not what they meant. That's not what I meant, really. It's They're not Native Americans, they're Native Russians, and I was just comparing them to the Native Americans because they're the indigenous people of that area. But um, I apologize for the confusion there. So, yeah. Um, and if you would like to fill out the form, the e- my email and the link will be in the podcast description again this week. Let's get started on our first topic. The bloop was a sound detected by the NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. It was an ultra-low frequency, high-amplitude sound that no one has been able to explain. It was one of the loudest sounds ever recorded in the ocean. If it was a creature, the scientists deduced that it would be several times larger than a blue whale. Some people have said that it was an ice quake, which is large chunks of ice that break off of glaciers and go into the ocean. But I I don't know. Most ice quakes aren't that loud, and if they were, that would be a very large ice quake. So I think there might be a better explanation for that. And... If it was a creature and it's several times larger than a blue whale, that's ridiculously large. The veins and passageways in a blue whale's heart is big enough for a small child to swim slash crawl through. And that's just its heart. Most blue whales are in excess of 100 feet long. Or, well, sorry, not in excess of. Most of them are about 100 feet long. That is quite large. And they can weigh multiple tons. But, just for fun, let's look at some of the loudest sounds ever. And keep in mind for reference that a jet taking off is 150 decibels and can rupture your eardrum and cause permanent hearing damage. Our first one is Krakatoa. It's a volcano that erupted in 1883 and made so much noise that it traveled around the earth four times and shattered the eardrums of sailors 40 miles away. From 100 miles away, it measured at 172 decibels. Now, that's that's crazy, because 
when you think of volcanoes normally, you think of them shooting lava, and you don't think of them being very loud. Like Pompeii, you think of all the ash that rained down and killed all those people, or the lava that came into the village. Well, it was more of a city. It was a very large, rich resort for Roman elites. But it was it erupted and it sent lava so high into the sky that it cooled and came down its pebbles at first, but then some of them came down in the size of, like, cars almost. It, they were very large chunks of rock. So I'm not sure how loud Pompeii was, but Krakatoa was extremely loud. Now, our next one is the Perseus Cluster. It is not only the loudest sound ever recorded, but the deepest sound ever recorded. It is 57 octaves below C major in a piano. And I'm not much of a piano guy. I don't play piano or know much about it. But I assume C major is a rather deep note on the piano. I, I, I'm hoping it's not like the highest note. But still, 57 octaves below that is an extremely deep note. Now, it comes from a black hole and its oscillations, or like when it makes sound are 9.6 million years apart, and it measures at about 520 decibels, so three to five times louder than a jet taking off, and that's just, that's just mind-blowing. It's crazy how loud that would be. Now, that was the loudest sound in the universe, but in the world, just on Earth, the, loud, the widely considered loudest sound was the Tuskunga event. Now, the probable theory of the Tuskunga event was that it was a meteor that hit Russia in 1908. It flattened 1,242 miles of forest and measured at about 300 decibels. Now, the Tuskunga event, the meteor, it flattened so much forest and swampland, and it killed none confirmed, but three possible deaths from this meteor impact. Now, this won't mean much to a lot of you, but for some of you, there is a map in the video game Call of Duty World War II, Zombies, that is based off of this event, and it shows a bunch of broken trees and it's all swampland. So that's something in modern culture that has to do with this event. Just thought that'd be interesting to know. Now, back to the bloop. The bloop was first detected in 1997 by hydrophones 3,000 miles apart. Now, that sounds like a lot, but there is one sound that I know of that travels farther than that. A sperm whale echolocation call can go for 10,000 miles, but that's not, that's not the standard. That's an outlier. It's not the reference. So that's an anomaly in the ocean. It can go 10,000 miles. But the bloop was detected by hydrophones 3,000 miles apart. And that's in 1997, so they didn't have... They had some good microphones, and hydrophones are underwater microphones. They did, they had good hydrophones, but I would say nowadays, they would have much better microphones and it'd be easier to pick stuff up. So in 1997, they picked stuff up 3,000 miles apart. Now, the origin of the sound was determined to be off the coast of South America. And like I said before, people think it might have been global warming and melting ice, but it has been argued, however, that the patterns and the variations within the sound indicate an animal origin. And it's stuff that would be way bigger than a blue whale. 
is stuff out of like a pirate movie like pirates of the caribbean you got like the kraken or something but it's that but it's a whale and if i'm not mistaken there was a giant prehistoric whale at one point that was able to eat megalodons and it had like teeth it was predatory now whales today they eat like shrimp and stuff like that plankton they're they're not at they're still predatory technically but they're not they're not as bad as something that would have eaten megalodons a megalodon is a very large shark for those of you who don't know now our second topic this week will be the lost colony of roanoke now in the late 1500s the english made their first attempts to settle in north america on roanoke island which is off the coast of north carolina these first settlers ended up returning to England because of a shortage of food and Indian attacks. Now, let me clarify that. It wasn't a shortage of Indian attacks. It was a shortage of food and an excess of Indian attacks. Now, in 1587, a second colony was founded on Roanoke. It was then that Virginia Dare, the first baby born to English parents in North America, was born. John White, the governor of the Roanoke Island colony, he went to England to get some more supplies because they were running low and when he got back he found that they were in a war with spain and i believe that's when the spanish armada came and sailed to england and kind of blew some stuff up that was a major historical event and i believe that's what was happening during this time but i, I might be wrong on that that might be next week's failures segment and i'll have to correct myself but then um, he, they had to use his ship to go and fight Spain, so he wasn't able to find a ship for the next couple years. But by the time he did find one, it was a couple years later, and when he returns from his supply trip, he found the settlement deserted. Him and his men found no trace of the hundred or so colonists he left behind. There is no sign of violence, though. Now, among the missing were Eleanor Dare, White's daughter, and Virginia Dare, White's granddaughter. August 18th would have been Virginia's third birthday. Now, the only clue to their mysterious disappearance was the word Croatoan carved into the palisade that had been built around the settlement. Now, a palisade is like a wall, and I believe it's when you get those trees and you you like kind of point them on top and you set them into the ground, packed together, so it creates a little spiked wall around it. And I, I'm pretty sure that's what a palisade is. So, Croatoan was carved into that. White took the letters to mean that the colonists had moved to Croatoan Island some 50 miles away, but a later search of the island found none of the settlers. In 1998, archaeologists studying tree ring data from Virginia found that extreme drought conditions persisted between 1587 and 1589. Now, that was when John White was gone to England. So these conditions undoubtedly contributed to the demise of the so-called lost colony, but where the settlers went after they left Roanoke remains a mystery. One theory has them being absorbed into a Native American tribe known as the Croatans. So maybe Croatoan was an old-timey way to say Croatan? I'm not completely sure on that, but possibly. Now, I like to listen to podcasts myself, and I heard one one podcast the pod goats talk about this and i liked their theory and i agree with it um they said that they went to croatoan island or they wandered out into the wilderness or something but they, they might have stayed at the fort for a little while 
but they were running out of food, and they are like, well, this kind of sucks, so they turned to cannibalism, and they ate each other, and it dwindled down, and they couldn't find any of the bones, because if you crush up bones and into a powder, you can eat it, and that's a great source of fiber, so that's possibly why they didn't find any bones or skeletons there. Now, they were going around, and the final guy killed the other... The, the final two guys were there, and one of them ate the other, and the final dude was like, well, I don't know what we're going to do now, so we just left the fort, and either he wandered off and joined a Native American tribe, or he was killed by them. And chances of someone finding one person's skeleton over hundred people's skeletons is a lot different and even if you did find that there's no way to prove that was the last settler guy so that's probably why they didn't find it and credit to the pod goats on that theory I really agree with it I think that's a great explanation because of what happened now I suppose this will conclude episode four the bloop and the lost colony of Roanoke I appreciate y'all listening And next week, we're going to be talking about Malaysian Flight 370, as Mr. Dr. James Brendan O'Brien, Ph.D., suggested. So, I appreciate him coming up with that, and I thank you for listening. See you next time.